Well, she doesn't watch them because she always checks my pockets because apparently I leave stuff in there all the time. But I don't know how I survived single. But um, the main the main point today is: Are you worth being around? Are you worth being around? Like I said, I preached this message in chapel, and I still think it's incredibly important that we we get to in here. It is that question is, are you worth being around? Uh, sometimes it's a hard question to answer. But as we look at the main passage, Matthew 5, I think it's going to be up there. Um, but Matthew uh, 5 is where we're going to be at, and it's uh, verses 13 through 16. This is Jesus talking right after uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. So there's a reason why he's saying these things. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why he says all these things. But Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, I'm going to be reading out CSB. It says this. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but the salt should lose its taste. How can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So as we go into a time of prayer, I want to encourage you to pray for these three, three things. Pray for yourself. Where is the state of my heart? Pray for the people next to you. What is the state of their heart? You can pray for the people next to you. And then pray for me. And I'll move out of the way because a lot of times I have pride. And I, I want to be humble. I want God to use me, not, not myself. So we're going to take a few moments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, take a little bit of silence, and pray in three different sections. And so I want you to pray for yourself and pray for others. And pray for me if you could. So let's pray. Father, I pray that even as I preach this message, that you would teach me something. God, that the sins of my past and the sins of even this morning don't stifle your spirit. God, I pray for the people next to me and the people around me. God, that we can unite as a community, unite as a group of believers and stand up for what is right and learn how to be salt and light on this earth. God, we fail. But God, I, with you, we can succeed. And so Father, I just ask that for the people in here, that you would capture their hearts, capture their ears, capture their minds, so that we can be like you more and more. And God, I pray that you would move me out of the way so that your Holy Spirit can move. God, I, I just ask that Arlington Baptist Church is a church that glorifies you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Jesus is talking about salt. Why salt? Does anybody know what the chemical, besides the, the kids that were in chapel? Actually, you can answer. What's the chemical compound for salt? Anybody know? NaCl. Look at that. See, some of y'all are so smart. NaCl. Sodium chloride, right? But did you know salt has all these different functions? For us, we need salt to live. It helps our muscles function. It helps uh, diffuse minerals well. It helps uh, balance out water in our bodies. It helps our nerves function properly. And so we need salt to live. Now, too much salt is an issue, right? You know, some of, some of us have to watch our salt intake. 
But that naturally, we need salt to live. But uh, I'm sure some of y'all know this, but salt was incredibly important back in uh, Roman Empire. It was, it was so valuable that they made trade routes just for salt and spices and things like that. But the word uh, salary actually comes from the word salt. The Latin word salt is S-A-L, salt. And that's where salary comes from. So when a soldier uh, would get paid, he'd get paid in salt. It's a weird form of payment, right? Like, but it's so incredibly important back in the day that they, they would actually pay their, their soldiers in salt because they could then trade it for whatever they wanted or use it properly. But that's where the, um, the word not worth of salt actually comes from is the Latin word Saul in the Roman times. And then also, you know, Saul, researching through this, like, when you do messages or, you know, teach or something like that, you actually learn a bunch of stuff that's usually useless. Um, and this is definitely useless, but I thought it was super interesting, is that salt, uh, butterflies are savages. Like, butterflies are, are interesting creatures, uh, but they actually drink the tears of turtles and crocodiles. Did anybody know that? Like, that turtles and... and uh, crocodiles have their tears. I think we have a picture of it. I think. We'll see if it... Yeah. And so, if you see that, the butterflies are actually drinking the tears of the crocodiles and turtles. Because where, where these butterflies are at, there's not a lot of salt intake. There's not a lot of salt where the butterflies can get and live and survive. And so what they do is... I know none of y'all crying here, but you know, I, I, I've, I've cried many times. And, and it's very salty. Uh, and so... What, what crocodiles and turtles would come up out of water, their actual eyes would start draining. And they're not actually sad. There's not sad turtles, there's not sad crocodiles. Um, but the actual tear ducts, uh, the butterflies will drink out of, uh, which is, I thought was fascinating. And it's a really pretty picture. Yeah. But there's tons and thousands and thousands of uses for salt. But we're going to go through three different uses for salt today and how we can be salt. And so for today, when we talk about this idea of salt, just know we're talking about uh, Jesus' effect and characteristics on our life. Okay? So when we're talking about salt, it's about how Jesus is supposed to use us, and we're supposed to use Jesus in our life. Because in Matthew 5, it talks about we're supposed to be a salt and light of the earth. And so salt is Jesus. And we're supposed to be Jesus to the earth and, and light of the world around us. Uh, and so we're going to look at it in three different ways. The first way is salt seasons. Salt seasons. With Thanksgiving coming up, does anybody actually like Thanksgiving food? See, I, we had a dinner last. We had the drum at Thanksgiving last night, and we had mushu pork and uh, teriyaki vegetables for our Thanksgiving meal. You know, which I, I I think that's better than Thanksgiving meal anyway. But growing up, we we had Thanksgiving at our house all the time. Uh, I remember this very vividly. One year, my mom was cooking dinner and. She goes to season the gravy. Do you remember this? And the whole cap of the pepper falls off, and all the pepper falls into the gravy. Now, I, for those of you who cook, can you save the food after all that pepper gets in there? There's no way to save that. I remember <laughs> crying, trying to scoop the pepper out. My dad trying to scoop the pepper out, saying, oh, it's all right. And we eat the gravy. It's just straight pepper gravy. <laughs> yeah. But this was, you know, when you season something, you have to do it the right way. Good seasoning draws us back in, right? If someone knows how to season something, man, we go back to them and be like, they're a good cook. No one wants unsalted McDonald's french fries, right? No. 
Why do they make so much money? It's because they salt those suckers. Why? The, the, the South loves salt, right? We love our salt. We put salt in everything. But why it's so attractive is because salt brings out the flavor and stuff. It's not the salt that tastes good. It's the salt that brings out the flavor of things. And so we love salt. I remember in camp a few years ago, and if you ever go to a youth camp, the youth camp food is always bad, just so you know. The youth camp, yeah, see Charlotte knows. She's shaking her head right now. The youth camp food is always bad. We had a, we had a girl that in, in camp, and she's like, I can't eat this food. We had to go make runs for food, like get them like microwave them with mac and cheese because it was better than what they were serving. Uh, but she asked, she actually had us get Lowry seasoned salt so that she can try and eat some of the food. We're addicted to salt and salt seasoning. So what does this have to do with us? Well, if we're the salt and light of the earth, we have to be able to be worth being around. We can't over-salt something and expect it to be good. And we can't under-season, some, over, yeah, under-season salt or the dish with salt and expect it to be good. And so for us, if Jesus calls us to be the salt and light of the earth, then we have to season the, the, our people's lives around us, right? And we have to do it the right way. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but someone who is turned off by the gospel, they don't need you to keep beating them over the head with the Bible. They need, you need to be seasoned well so that you can respond well to these people. And so we have to season the right way because if salt brings joy to people's lives, that's why McDonald's does so well. And people crave it. We have to be the same thing. If Jesus calls us to be salt and light of this world, we have to bring joy to people's lives. And if you're not bringing joy to people's lives, you're failing. And if you're not making people's lives better, you're failing. We as Christ followers should be drawing people in like salt does, right? Instead of pushing them away. We can't be repulsive and say that we're the salt and light of the earth. Now, raise your hand if you're a Christ follower in here. See, for us, we have to do a better job at drawing people in. Far too many people in here push Christ away because either we shove too much salt down someone's throat or we don't put enough Jesus out into the world. It's a delicate balance that we have to figure out. Some dishes need more salt than others, right? And so we have to figure out how much salt there is to be effective. And if you're honest with yourself, we we have to do better at this. We can't just live our lives and expect salt to be perfect every single time. No, we have to be active in in working out, being Jesus to other people. If salt draws people in, we have to be exciting to them. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says this. It says, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech be always... Uh, always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer each person. I wrote this next part for myself and some other people in here, but your body language actually says a lot. The way you act often will repel people away from Christ without you even saying anything. If you dread coming to church, if you, if you're, if you come to church and you're like, oh, I don't feel like being here again, You can see that on people's body language. And that draws people away from the church. And so you have to check your body language. I mean, most, like, 
Scholars and, and studies show that body language is the most important part of verbal or most important part of communication. It's not the words you say, it's how you say it. Your tone and your body language. And so what Colossians says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. It's not just your words, it's your body and how you act. I had a student come to me, I think last week, and I, I recognized it after. I was like, I felt bad because he's like, man, Coach, Coach Brett, what's wrong? Are you okay? He's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. Uh, he's like, you just seem different than first quarter. Like, you smiled, smiled more. You were, you know, happy to be around. I'm like, I let the things of this world affect my body language. I didn't have to say anything to him, but he knew that something was not right with my soul and my, my heart. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we, we tend to carry the weight of our world in our body language, not our speech. Because we can say we're fine, but we can't act like we're fine. And so I think it's important that we recognize that. Our lives have to be a reflection of the Creator. To be effective, you have to turn to the Creator to find your worth. You can't season something from an empty vessel. If this salt shaker was empty, it would be no purpose. You can't season anything. Someone says for you to pass the salt and there's nothing in there, you cannot make, it, make your dish any better. For us to be seasoned and be effective, we have to be filled we can't just season something from an empty vessel. We, see, we hear it all the time. You know, it, you guys have heard this before. To, be, to fill other people, you have to be full first. You cannot give out of, out of a deficit. You have to have something in you to be able to give. And then the second part is salt preserves. Salt preserves. With almost every message, and I, I want to be clear, is that there, there are things that you can dive a lot further into. I could probably do a 30, 40 minute sermon on just how salt seasons. But I want to hit different areas for different people. And, and if, it, if, it's, if you want to study more, like I would encourage you to study more. How do you get more Jesus? How do you become salt, right? How, but the next one is salt preserves. Salt preserves. Um, back in the day, why salt was so important was because salt would pack, you would pack salt around meat so it would preserve it. Before refrigeration, uh, meat spoiled real quickly. And if you packed it with salt, it would actually last up to you know, a few weeks with it being packed in. Why? It's because salt draws out the moisture and things, draws out the bacteria, draws out the things that decay it so that you can actually preserve the meat longer. Uh, does anybody like Slim Jims? Oh, okay, a few people. You would not believe how many students like Slim Jims. I, it blew my mind how many of them asked for Slim Jims afterwards. So if you want Slim Jim, you can come get me, come get me later. I still got a bunch of them. We sell them in the youth room, so I was just going to give them away. But beef jerky, that's how you get beef jerky. It's a, it, it is dehydrated, and it's... A, Packed with salt. A three pound piece of meat turns into a pound of beef jerky. It's crazy how much meat you need to get a pound of beef jerky. Not to mention that Slim Jims have a ton of salt in them anyway. Uh, but to preserve things, pres salt preserves and it draws out the moisture. 
So with our faith, we have to toss our faith, surround our lives with Jesus to preserve it. I hope this makes sense to you. And the fact that if we toss things to preserve it, we have to toss our own lives in Jesus to preserve it. It's our armor. It lets us remember this, uh, that, that Jesus is the salt and light. So the more we put on Jesus, the more our preservation is. As you surround yourself with him, there's a natural protection that comes with that. And it draws out the impurities, draws out the decay, draws out the evil things inside of us so that we cannot be destroyed from the inside. The more you toss your life with Jesus, the more your inside changes so that you are not uh, vulnerable to the attacks of Satan on the inside. It's now the outside forces that destroy you. But salting things take, lot, take, take work. You have to pour salt on your life. If salt was so valuable in that day, imagine what it meant for you to pour salt onto your life in that imagery, right? Salt was so valuable that you got paid with it. This is for us. Like, Imagine if someone said, you to, let's put it in this terms, uh, a year's salary, if you put a year's salary into your life, you're going to be protected, and you had to dedicate everything to it. Like, we'd be like, eh, I think I'll just fight off what comes. But, and so, Luke 14, Jesus is talking, about his, talking to his disciples, talking about how much it's going to cost to follow Jesus. He says, no one goes into war, it doesn't count the cost first. He's going he's to figure out if he can win the war. If someone has like 10,000 troops and you have 5,000 troops, you're not just going to run into a war and be like, eh, let's just hope for the best. You know, it's not going to work like that. Jesus says, in regards to loving me, you have to hate your family, hate your brothers, hate your sister, hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your wife, hate your spouse. Like, I don't, I don't think we understand. Like, Jesus was not talking figuratively. Our love for him should be outweigh everything. He's not talking like, oh, your love should just be so good and so great. No, he literally, our lives are dedicated to him and him alone, and then every, everything else falls into place. He, he ends Luke 14. He says, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now, salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how, should it made, how can it be made salty? It isn't fit for the soil or the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears hear. Jesus costs us something. Costs everything. The gift of Jesus is free. But then he calls us our lives of us. No longer does work come into play when it comes to Jesus. We should not sacrifice Jesus for work. We should not sacrifice our relationships for Jesus. These things, we have to salt our lives. And it isn't easy. It costs us a lot. I told this story Friday. One of my great friends, his name is Johnny Tanner. I don't know, do you all remember Johnny Tanner? When I was in college, he was back in Sebring. One of my great friends played softball with him. You know, he, he helped me work on, I worked on, helped work on his truck. You know, we hung out. We, we went to church together all the time. I even eventually taught his girls in youth group. 
But he was walking on the road one day, and he gets hit by a car. He gets life-flighted to Lakeland, where I'm studying at Southeastern at a Christian school. He gets life-flighted. He's on life support. And during school, I remember hearing uh, just, you know, the prayers, like praying around something, walking around the, the prayers, the hospital, and, and praying and believing in miracles and God's going to move and things like that. And so I'm praying and praying and praying. Weeks upon weeks, I, I sat by his bedside, held his hands, and I, I felt a movement in his hands. I'm like, oh, God, you're going to heal him. He's not done yet. All these different things in my prayers seem like God's going to answer him. And, and I walked around that hospital 20, 30 times. And then he dies. And I'm like, God, where are you? Like, my faith is shattered. I don't want to believe in this God who doesn't even want to answer my prayers. I was destroyed. I was wrecked. I was at, I was at a place of not coming back. Then I start to remember. And I see how God was so gentle with me during that time. He says, you want to walk away? After everything I've done, you don't know what I'm going to use for this. As a teenager, one of my favorite verses was Matthew 6. It says, do not worry for, about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. It says, look at the birds of the sky and, a, and a, you know, the flowers in the field. Do they work? And yet the flowers are more beautiful than Solomon in all his glory. And you know, the birds don't, don't reap, don't sow, they gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Don't, aren't you worth more than them? And I start to remember these worship songs and the relationships that I have and the people challenging me and pouring salt into me. See, the important thing is why we need to season so well is because there's people that are dying and decaying around us and we need to be salt to them. And if I did not toss my life in salt beforehand, then I would have been destroyed for good. See, it costs us something to follow Jesus. But there's going to be a time where that cost shows up and it sustains you through the darkest of days. It's like one of my favorite verses is Galatians 6, 9. It's my life verse right now. It says, therefore, do not grow weary in doing good. For in the right time, you'll reap a great harvest if you don't give up. When I look out into the youth group and I see eight kids, I'm like, why is no one coming? When I, when I go into work at Parsons, I'm like, hey, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Kids don't care. When, when, when the darkness surrounds me, when I want to run away, it says, Galatians 6, 9, it says, therefore, do not grow weary in doing good. Because in the right time, not my time, you'll reap a great harvest if you don't give up. So Galatians, the, why... I've sustained in these times is because I've poured salt into my life so that when these things come, I can sustain. And some of us are not willing to put in the work. And so when things come, you're going to break and, and, and shatter because of that. When you put in the work in the seasons of good, you're going to reap it in the seasons of bad. That's why we have to find people who pour salt into our lives. If you're not pouring salt into other people's lives, you're not worth being around. As harsh as that sounds, if you're not putting Jesus into people's lives, you're not worth being around as a Christ follower. We have to read scripture and memorize it. We have to pray consistently. We have to go to church and serve. 
These things pour salt into our hearts and into our minds so that when the dark days come, we can sustain because I guarantee you the dark days are going to come. Your faith is going to need to be preserved at a time because I hate to tell you, but the, Satan is outside roaring like a lion. He's waiting to devour you. If I told you that there was a lion with your name, that had your name and he was going to kill you, you wouldn't go outside without being prepared. And yet we treat Satan like a, man, he's not that big of a deal. It doesn't make sense. Satan is literally, I, I heard this one time, I, I thought it was so true. Like, Satan literally hates God. And if we are Christians, that means that we are adopted into his kingdom. We are part of his family. And so what does that mean? He literally hates us. And so why do we think that we can get away with things and it's like, oh, Satan's not going to really attack me? No, he hates you. And so we have to preserve our faith so that we can sustain the attacks. And so if Satan really hates us and is going to attack us, we have to recognize that the dark days are coming. And how do we sustain those dark days? It's because we have to preserve and toss our life with salt. The last point I have is not going to come up yet, hopefully. Yeah, because that was a teaser. But if willing, I need some volunteers because I did this in chapel, so... Come on, Charlotte. I can just use one, if, but yeah, come on. Does anybody else want to do it? It's, I promise I'll give you a Slim Jim. I don't know if that helps. Or a quarter. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, those are new. Yeah, yeah. She, she knows, but we'll, we'll play with these two. Does anybody else want to? Come here, Jensen. Yeah, Jensen. You probably did. You probably made a mistake. So in each one of these is a different water mixture. There's water with, I won't tell you yet. And so we're going to let Jensen, since he was bold enough, you get to pick which one you want to first pick. All right. Eckerd, you get last. Danger, you get to pick. All right. And then you get this one. So it's warm water. Um, and so what I'm going to have you guys guess is what is in each container that they drink, okay? Well, yeah, we, okay, well, we know it's salt. One of them's salt, so, but we don't know what the other two are. Uh, one's sugar and one's regular water, I'll tell you. So you have to figure out which one is which. And so at count of three, you'll drink some. Those are clean, I washed them this morning. Uh, okay, we'll do that. Uh, so Eckerd, you get to go first. You don't smell it, just drink it. Okay, danger. Okay, and model man. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Do you want this? <laughs> you gonna drink it? <laughs> All right. So, raise your hand if you think Eckerd got the salt water. Oh, that was. Raise your hand if you think Danger got the salt water. And Mr. Model. <laughs> okay, this is easy. Thank you all. Well, how many of y'all think, uh, who got the sugar water? Eckerd got the sugared water. Okay, man, y'all, either y'all are bad actors or they're really good. <laughs> y'all can put it down. Thank you, guys. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you can have a Slim Jim. Um, why I do that, it was, yesterday I, I did it on stage and I shook it up and water squirted everywhere. <laughs> 
Um, so I, I learned a little bit. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but salt kills. Like salt kills things. That's the third point. Salt, if you gargle salt water, there's actually some health benefits to it. it. When you have a sore throat, it actually draws out the bacteria so you can uh, heal your throat. Did anybody have their, had their parents make you drink salt water when you had a sore throat? Yeah, not drink. Well, sure, whatever. Yeah, gargle it. Yeah, that's what I was going to make them gargle it, but I figured that would sound weird. You know? I also had a different demonstration that I wanted to do, but I didn't think it would go over very well. I wanted to get a, a freshwater fish pour a bunch of salt into it and see what would happen to it. But I guess I can't do that in church. I'll do that. You can do that on your own time if you want. But salt kills things. Salt kills bacteria. Salt kills slugs. And anybody pour salt on slugs when they were a kid? I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. Um, hey, they had it coming. But salt kills things. I don't know if you know this, but salt actually kills fire. Did anybody know that if you have a grease fire, if you pour a bunch of salt on it, it actually smothers out the grease fire? Don't pour water on it. If you learn something, don't pour water on a grease fire. So practical knowledge. I'm telling you, you learn a lot of weird things when you study for, script, uh, for messages. But salt destroys fire. It smothers it out. So if Jesus is salt, and we're talking about fire, I mean, I'm sure only me has gotten so frustrated or angry that you, you actually get hot on the inside, that you can feel your ears burning, that with the anger, the bitterness, the jealousy, these, these emotions that over and consume you. And, and so we're going to look at it in that way. In Proverbs 15, 18, it says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. See, so we, when we smother these things, we smother Satan and, and those negative, sinful, evil emotions that arise in our lives. But what we have to do, we have to pour salt onto it. When you look around you, you see jealousy, you see anger, you see uh, selfishness, you see drama, you see evil. And look at the news. You see violence, you see chaos. We need to do better. As Christians, as people in Arlington as people, as Christians in, in this room, even as non-Christians, if you're in this room, we're listening. We have to do better. Everyone needs to do better. There's too much evil filling our lives already. We can't continue that cycle. We have to stop that cycle. First Peter 3, 8 through 12. I loved this verse when I was studying for it. I almost made it the, the central verse, but I wanted, I wanted to use this one. It says, finally... All of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. But on the contrary, give a blessing since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. And I pause here Friday to tell them, like, you may not see a blessing immediately, but you will see a blessing. Like, it, Scripture is beautiful. When we do not do insult for insult or evil for evil, God is just to bless us when we bless other people. It may not be in the moment. It may not be a week from now. It, it is either in heaven or this side of heaven, but it, God guarantees that we're going to see a blessing when we don't pay evil for evil. See, God is not out to just shortchange you for everything. It says, for the one who 
wants to love life and see good days, which is all of us. We want, we want to live good lives and, and see a long life. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. This is the scariest part, but I want you to listen. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. If we read this right, our prayers are not going to be answered if we continue to do evil. If we never repent from our sins, if we never repent for the things that uh, cause us to separate ourselves from God, God is not going to hear our prayers. He's not going to act on them the way that we want them to. And so we have to be righteous. And so how do we do that? We ask for forgiveness and repent of our sins so we could be in right relation with God. And only Jesus has, Jesus has already done that for us. All we have to do is accept that and walk through with that. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. I want you to remember that. The world is on fire right now and how we respond will determine how fast everything burns up. You may think that you, just one person is not going to make a difference. It does. When we are hurt or beat up, we don't return evil for evil. We pour salt on the fire. We pour Jesus on the fire because Jesus smothers out the flames and all the things and the evils of this world. And, and we have to, as Christians, be the ones that are pouring salt onto it. It's going to cost us, but we have to do it. Otherwise, the world is just going to continue to burn up. In almost all situations, kindness kills conflict. Raise your hand if you know who Abraham Lincoln is. Oh, man, you guys are so good. Abraham Lincoln, during his presidency, was questioned so many times by the Northerners saying, why don't you just, just, just destroy the South? Why don't you just kill them off? Like, we'll just restart, those kinds of things. Why are you handling it? Why are you being so nice to them? Lincoln says this. says, don't I make... My, don't I destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? How powerful is that? Don't I destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? The guy in the midst of a, of a civil war is trying to build a union together. He's not out to destroy them. He's not out to bridge the gap and make a, a country united again. Don't I destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? And before Lincoln, there was Jesus. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Let me say it again. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of of sins. Jesus is love. The only way to really truly kill off these things, the anger, the jealousy, the insecurities, these different things, laziness, idea, idolatry, all those things, the only way to kill off these things is actually have more of Jesus. It's interesting salt can do all these different things. Salt is used to kill a lot. But if Jesus is the salt and light of this earth, it's actually used to kill Satan too. 
Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. We are given the power to crush Satan under our feet. And we see this in the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. I'm studying Elisha, and he, he asks, he goes in, and these people ask him to do something for him, and this river is unfruitful, the land is unfruitful, all these different things. And so Elijah asked them, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. After they put, brought him one, Elijah went out to the spring, threw salt in it, and said, this is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. No longer will death and unfruitfulness result from it. Therefore, the water still remains healthy today, according to the word Elisha spoke. That's in 2 Kings. In the Old Testament, we get a picture of what salt can do. And in heaven, we see the ultimate picture. In Revelation, it says in heaven, there's no more tears, no more pain. And what are tears? Salt. Why do we get no more salt? Why do we no longer have to be salt? It's because we're going to be in the presence of the ultimate salt. We no longer have to work anymore. We no longer have to cry. We no longer have to season anybody else with salt because Jesus is going to be there. We don't have to toss our lives with salt because we're going to have rest in heaven. And so are you worth being around? And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I close. But I think it's beautiful that heaven, there's no more tears. We get to rest. Us as Christians, we get to rest. But while we're on this earth, we have to work. And this isn't a beautiful message of, oh, you're going to get all these promises, all these things. No, you get a promise that you have to work. You have to season people's lives. You have to toss your life with salt. And you have to pour salt on Satan so that you can preserve and, and work and season other people's lives. And salt is going to cost you. Being like Jesus is going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost you intentionality. It's going to cost you all these things. But I promise you that just like in Scripture it says that there's going to be a time and place where we get to rest in the presence of God. Isn't that such a beautiful thing? Y'all understand that? That while we're here on this earth, we have to work, we have to move, we have to continue to salt things. And while we're doing that, we have to be filled up to salt things. And, but when we get to heaven, when we get to the other side of heaven, there's not going to be any more tears, any more pain, and any more sorrow. And it's because we don't get to cry anymore because we're getting in the presence of ultimate salt in Jesus Christ. That is our promise. That is what we live for. So why do we stop salting here on earth? The question, are you worth being around, is an important question for you to answer today. Are you making other people's lives better? Or are you just living your life day by day? Seriously, ask yourself that. Are you making someone's life better? And then if you say yes, can you do more? Because I answer that question, anybody want to guess what the answer to that question is? It's yes. Our job never stops. So if you are not tired, you're doing something wrong. And if you are tired, remember Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow tired in doing good, for in the right time you'll reap a great harvest. So if you're not tired of pouring Jesus in people, pouring Jesus onto yourself, and trying to stomp off Satan, you're doing something wrong. 
I'm not afraid to call, tell you. We have too many people. We have people in here that are not doing enough. Seriously, we, we have people in here that are not doing enough. And so it's time for those of you, who, when I said that, you guys know. You may, may have gotten a little hot. Your ears may have burned a little bit. But you have to do more. It cannot just be on a few people to salt the earth. I don't know what it's like to live up in the north, but I'm sure if you just put a salt shaker on the roads, it never would have been enough to salt the roads so you'd be safe. Jim probably knows about that. But are you worth being around? And so we, we have these questions, and you have a choice to walk through today. Do you have enough salt to walk through your darkest of days? Do you have enough salt to kill off hatred and evil? And do you have enough salt to season other people's lives? So as I pray, there, we'll have a time of response. If you want to know how to be salty the right way, you come ask me. Come ask some other people. There's plenty of people in this church that would walk you through how to be saved, how to have a relationship with Jesus. But most of us in here have a relationship with Jesus. And so what I want you to wrestle with during this worship time, during this prayer time is, am I worth being around? Can I do more? And what should I be doing more of? Because with me, I need to do more. I need to not grow tired of doing good because Jesus is calling me to be the salt and light of this world because the world is dying off. And I don't want to see it burn anymore. I don't have kids yet, but I want them to live in a world that's not completely dead to Christ. So let's do more.